Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and with me, as always, is Mr. Merrick Larwood. Hello, Merrick. Hello, David. I understand you're hungover today. I am a bit hungover today, yeah, yeah. But I'll be all right. Did you go to a disco? I went to a disco. <laughs> Did some dancing. Did you? No. When was the last time you danced? God, that is a good question. I have no idea. It's been a long, long time. I find now I only dance at weddings. Yeah? That happens once you get into your late 30s. You only dance at weddings. So I'm probably the uncle just dancing. I danced at a family uh, Kaylee in 2011, I remember. I only dance at weddings, I only masturbate at funerals. Oh, that's a good rule. It's a good rule. Keeps you busy. Yep, you, sometimes you need to put a bit of life back into things. <laughs> it's a celebration of life, really, isn't it? And what more could be a celebration of life than talking about films? Yes, good an, segue. An hour and a half to encapsulate a life story. Yes. Have you have you seen just such a movie recently? Sometimes an hour and a half is not enough. Sometimes mm. it is way too long. You've got a mark <laughs> on your head like Harry Potter. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and when I was younger, um, I had... oh, it's actually a proper yeah yeah it's a I've proper scar. It it's a scar. And uh, I also, when I was younger, I had his shit haircut and uh, and glasses as well. But the Harry Potter books hadn't come out, so I only ever got. Uh, Oi, Milky Bar Kid! Uh, that was it. Was it wasn't worth anything in my. I would have said Milky youth. Scar Kid. Nice. Um, it's only I, I, the first time I ever noticed it. it must be because it, it's been quite cold and you're paler than normal. I've, I've also had a haircut, so it's probably visible. Um, and how did you get that scar before we move on? Everyone I, would like I to ran know. into a door, I think. Well, what, some, some sort of dirty protest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> I ran into a door and shit myself, uh, and then my mother's love saved my life. Um, she took me to hospital. Uh, oh, is it, oh, that was a Harry Potter reference. I, I don't think you. Oh, got sorry, it. I don't. I'm not really into yeah, that. No, uh, it's Harry all right. Potter. I watched a really good great documentary about Tom Felton, um, who is plays Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter. Oh yes, which is on the BBC. It was on BBC Three about super fans, and he went and met his super fans, and he met all these people who were obsessed with things. And I have to say, I found it very interesting and quite uplifting. Uplifting, and he was a very, he was a very good host. Oh, that's good. Well, were his super fans then, by and large, not crazy people? They were crazy, but he went and met them, and he, he, he tried to understand why they were crazy, and they were just pretty much lonely people. Yeah, I, I look like I'd be if I didn't have this podcast to do. <laughs> who yeah. would who would you be a crazy fan of? Do you think? Uh, who are you just sort of you know? If you were a bit lonelier 
and you know had been lonely for a while who would you just tip over the edge it has to be a fictional a lot of them is fictional yeah they're weird fictional things but then they they sort of they bleed over don't they so people who are massive uh, Sherlock Holmes fans just become Cumberbatch fans yeah they got got certain names or something Cumberbitches they call them I don't like that Uh, it's not it's not not very respectful I don't think Benedict would like that either no apparently he doesn't really I I like I think sports is my thing. Sports, so yeah. you follow. Uh, I I if one thing I'm obsessed with, it's the Detroit Lions. Okay, but that's waned slightly since I've created the greatest sport of the 21st century, football. And I've talked about it before. And the prototype is being made. It's going to cost me 800 quid. I'm enjoying these updates. Has there been any progress since you last? Have you seen the it? documentary I've released? Yes, I have. It's very good. Uh, I would say I I think Senna is better. But you know, it's. I mean, it's there. a very low rent documentary which you can watch if you go to uh, vulsport dot com. But this isn't about sport as you. It's just. It's me. about film. So you. Watched... The reason I'm doing this sport thing <laughs> is that I need something to make me a millionaire uh, after. And basically, comedy's not worked out, so I've got to bloody try something, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, went and to... sport is the thing. Well, know. I think we should try and get to the point here, and that's another good segue into film <laughs> we're going to talk about. It's Focus. Focus. Okay, tell us about Focus. Focus is a film about a con man. The con man is Will Smith. He runs this sort of... He just does... It feels a bit like an Ocean's Eleven, but it's more sort of thieving, sort of tricking, a bit like this. The Sting. Sting. Yeah. Which is probably the greatest. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's not in the same league as The Sting. Okay. And he sort of... uh, employs an assistant who's he meets who tries to con him it's Margot Robbie I've not really heard of her from before but she's one of the she was in Neighbours which one's she in Neighbours she's the, the woman the woman in Neighbours <laughs> Helen Helen Daniels she's Helen Daniels <laughs> she is a, was in Neighbours and she's and it's quite phenomenal the leap from Neighbours to Hollywood superstardom there's a lot of them aren't there well Guy Pearce being the main one but a lot of them well um, no, Russell Crowe as well he was in Neighbours um uh, Holly Valance, of course. She's in all the films. Well, she is she? the latest jump from straight from Neighbours into Hollywood superstardom. Yeah, actually, I bet the the actually no after after Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce, it's who the guy who played Jim in uh, Neighbours is in everything. Oh, um, Jim Robinson, yeah. yeah. But the great one is Ben. What's his name? Who's in Home and Away as well? Who plays evil bad guys in? Uh, uh, he, Ben something or other you remember his name he's absolutely brilliant um, I'll, I'll remember it later on okay. someone you, you've got the internet <laughs> I've only got up. I've only got my memory and as we realised from the uh, still Alice that uh, when I reviewed that is that is failing fast uh, anyway so focus is he's a con man uh, Mrs Neighbours is his assistant Mrs the one from Neighbours Margot Robbie plays uh, his assistant he's got this sort of con crew and they go round and they play. Uh, they they're basically criminals, but they're really friendly, nice criminals who con people out of money. And they do. They it's all leading up to the big trick. So the first bit that they, uh, there's like a whole group of them. They sort of leech, teach each other how to distract people. Or they pick people, people's pockets. Right. Is she? Um, is is it the like Ocean's Eleven or the Sting where the trick is the final trick is on the audience? Well, you know themselves. Ocean's Eleven. They're sort of no. They're doing a sort of. Big cons. Yeah. These are just thieves. <laughs> just, what, just Pretty much they're thieves. Punching people in the face no, and taking thieves. their they're, stuff. But, uh, and they all... Uh, this is my problem with the film. You uh, have to completely switch off for this film. 
uh, you need to have a lobotomy. If you're under 14, you might think they're cool. Will Smith seems to become so vanilla in his performances that he's not really performing. It's odd, isn't it? Because he, for a while, he could have been, you know, really, really good. Like he did Ali, you know, yeah. which is a very good performance, and he's done other ones as well. But he sort of disappeared. He's not turning into that Tom Cruise. I don't know whether it's because we're so used to them. It looks like they're not acting. But he's almost Maybe. doing a completely bland character, and she's more interesting than anything in this. The Margot Robbie's more interesting, but and there's lots of press about. Um, whether Hollywood can accept a sort of uh, black male, white female leading relationship. Oh. I read a few things is about that. Is that still a thing? I don't think it is. I think it's just a publicity thing. Right. Because the real they had thing, nothing else the to real talk thing about. for me was the fact that I looked at their ages, he's 46 and she's 24. Okay. That's the weird thing. Yeah, I Not mean... Not the fact that he's black and she's white. He's 22 years older than her. Yeah. I mean, he's old enough to be her... Yeah, only her father. Uh, no, he could be her grandfather. He'd have to... No. Yeah. <laughs> if he was really... If he was 11 when he could see... Yeah, uh, if he was... Ele- 11-year-old yeah. father. Yeah. <laughs> Just about feasibly possible that he could be a grandfather. Okay. If he did it on, as soon as he became... It's unlikely. Fer- as soon as he became fertile... Yeah. Instantly... Instantly impregnated yeah. a lady... Okay, yeah, sure. He could be her grandfather. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I've got the other way. These are irrelevant questions. The point is, I struggled with the first half of this because I thought, they're basically petty thieves, all these bunch of people who are in this cool gang and they go they go to this Super Bowl-type event and they're like, okay, we're, there's going to be loads of people in the crowd, we're going to go and nick stuff out of their pockets and do all this, you know, just some <laughs> of the strap literally parts. the level they're operating Pretty, on? And it gets bigger and bigger. They do bigger right, scams. Okay. Like um, nicking out of people's bum bags. And yeah, then they're just nicking, those, nick, nicking people's watches and doing distracting them. Right. And they're all like quite good-looking and successful people. In reality, if you ever meet thieves, yeah. they're horrible, drug-addled, violent, nasty... They've got a twi- The ones I've noticed, they've, they have a twitchiness to them. Mm. You can spot them a mile off if you actually see them walk into a shop or something. If you forget the fact that thieves are horrible scumbags... <laughs> <laughs> which I struggle to do. At the end of it, they almost after there's a few spoilers, but not really. The first bit when they do their Super Bowl thing, they have a big party yeah, yeah. to celebrate them scamming Stealing loads of people. Some wallets. They have this sort of party where they're all drinking. It's almost like a sophisticated theatre girl's party. They're all drinking champagne and doing. It's like a party, do, like a do, wedding. Do, 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 do. And, and everyone's quite sort of like it's like a sort of lively wedding of really <laughs> good-looking thirteen, forty-something people. I think if they're all thieves. They've been nicking stuff out of, you know, and they all operate in this big sort of cartel type system. That's the idea, where they're all really working together to, to help each other get the cut. Co- so all, they, they, all, they pull everything they've yeah, got yeah, and they share just, it it's out. It's all teamwork, and everyone goes, okay, I'm a thief. I've just nicked all this person's work, but I'll sign up to this profit share scheme. I want to I see what you're describing done properly, where they're incredibly sort of sophisticated guys who just go around beating people up in alleyways and stealing wallets. So and go, yeah, we made 48 quid today. Okay, so um, Gary, you can, um, you're going to have £12 there. If we invest that in this scheme here, it's just total bullshit. Right. And a lot Where's of the, it set? Where's it set? It's, 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 an, it's set in America... Like Obviously. Los Angeles or something. Well, the, the, or... the Super Bowl place is New Orleans, and the oh, second okay. half is in a different. Oh, so they're jet scam. setting as well. They yeah, like they're fly setting, around to steal wallets. They're jet setting sort of cool, well dressed, uh, petty thieves who go on to bigger scams. That was my biggest problem with it. That is that they're fundamentally it's so preposterous the idea 
that it, I struggled to believe it, and I don't really like. If you've been pickpocketed or have someone nick stuff, you've got you automatically hate thieves, <laughs> yeah. uh, or everyone does. But I just thought it was. I mean, it's just it's nonsense. But after the first half an hour, forty minutes, it becomes enjoyable nonsense. Right. There's a sidekick who's got this funny guy. Uh, uh, he's got a big. He's like, he looks like a. He looks like a fat Maori guy. Can't remember. The Rock. No, can't remember his name. And he sort of comes on. He tells, and he sort of acts as the funny guy in between Margot, uh, Robbie, and Will Smith. And he sort of tells jokes to her to make her like him. These jokes are really sexist and mm. all about vaginas and really horrible and really over. Oh, if someone said to you, you think you know, it was really inappropriate. Yeah. And yet their reactions are. <laughs> you only hear jokes and things, and people yeah, say something yeah. really inappropriate, but they're told to react like it's really not. <laughs> You're so funny. No, he's not. He's really offensive. <laughs> he's a really offensive perv. And then talking man. about vaginas in front of. Um, yeah, somebody he's only just met. Is there only one woman in the group as well? Uh, there's, yeah, she's the only sort of main female character. That gets creepy then. Yeah, so it's it's. Do they attempt any sort of um, big tricks? Well, no Robin Hood sort of vibe to it that the people they're robbing from do deserve it kind of thing. Do Not they? really, no, no. They don't have you know the people they steal the wallets from. Uh, moments before were snooty to a waiter there's or no, something. That's usually that, what they do. That's not they? addressed. It's just basically just blanket. Thefts, yeah, which is odd. Having people like Will's, that's not. A, no one addresses the fact that yeah. they're glamorising petty well, they, theft. They seem to have misunderstood what the, the central premise of the heist film yeah. is that they're bank, robbing somebody or or so sort of, yeah. wealthy that you know they're definitely going to be a villain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. So you have to ignore that because that ruins wow. instantly. That you can can only be certain. Yeah, Mark yeah. can give this film, but it's an enjoyable. It's quite nice to have something that's just a sort of a sort of romp sort of. Is it supposed to be a comedy? I think it might be. It didn't make me laugh, mm. but it's a quite upbeat, fast-moving drama, and it's all right. I give it five marics. Okay. If you want to go and watch, it's just something that feels in. Uh, that's almost the most damning score you can give something, though, isn't I, it? I, I, once I got past a bit over it, when I really hated it, I, it was all right. <laughs> the budget was fifty million. I can't believe they put fifty million into that script. But apparently, it's it's made forty nine million six hundred fifty nine thousand in the USA alone. Well, so they're going to have to make... pick a few pockets to make break even. All you need to do is to make. Um, on that point, I shouldn't I shouldn't promote the podcast. But I was listening to a really fascinating set of podcasts on the business of film, right. which Mark Commode has done. Yeah. Uh, some people might think he bangs on a bit and is a bit too up his own ass, a bit like me but he it's not all about him it's interviewing how much profit they need to make on the films what dictates what's big at the box office yes and you know we bang on or I talk about how much I hate uh, big Hollywood yeah, superhero yeah. films it's because 70% those are the most interesting facts on it 70% of the gross income um, from films is made from out from markets outside the US particularly uh, Russia and China now is that right? Because and China used to pirate so much that it wasn't a very no, it's a big market. Huge income uh, for, for them, and because action films are much easier to translate. Yes, that's why that's leading to this big superhero uh, glum, big old flashy pictures. Yeah, and you can't make. There's no money in art films. They're the Hollywood version of Mr. Bean. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, okay. That's interesting. But if you want to hear about the business of, because I, I struggle to understand it, there's quite a few people talking on. There's quite a good, good few interviews about how you know if you say you say it makes forty nine million. Mm. That's the gross. Yeah. The, the filmmakers aren't getting a, a half. Well, as I much saw a lecture once, only a video of it. I wasn't in attendance, but uh, by Kevin Smith, where he was explaining that you could make a film for twenty million, and. Uh, it could make 60 million and you still don't see a, a dollar of it because yeah. the studio may have just decided, well, we're going to spend 40 million dollars promoting this and you get no say in that as yeah. the, as the, you know, the filmmaker. And so that means in order to make a profit, they now need to make over 60 million in back. And so you get no control over yeah, that whatsoever. Sort of about, yeah. And, and all, there'll be all sorts of wheeler dealings and tax dodges of just, well, we don't want this film to go into profit. So we're, as long as we spend as much on marketing as we make, then that's fine for our studio kind of thing. Yeah. So there's lots of interesting points about how, about how, how taxes pay, you know, if the films wouldn't get made, if there was tax-free films. And films, say they're British films, yeah. aren't necessarily British. They're just saying that so they get the tax. Yes, of course. Things. Anyway, that's something else to listen to. Once you've listened to all the episodes of Film Fandango. Yes. I mean, you've got no other reason to listen to that. So Focus, five weightlets on telly. Okay. Why is it called Focus? I don't Because you really have to, or...? Uh, if anything, the person who's written the plot for it had no focus whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Well, focus. Uh, but, you know, f- flip a coin and decide if you're going to see it. Um, have we got some letters? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Who is this? From Australia, mate. It's from Australia. It's from Douglas Lant. Oh, shit, mate. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I went to a completely different accent for the beginning of that. Hello, David, Merrick and Buddy. Thanks for the podcast. I enjoy listening to it generally on a Saturday morning when I'm out walking the dog. Thanks also for your recommendation for Primer. I did have my work cut out, cut out finding a copy, though, as it isn't available on iTunes in Australia. After a bit of Googling, I ended up buying it from the ERBP film website. I have downloaded it, but haven't finished watching it yet. I'm watching it a bit at a time to really try to get my head around it. Are there any films that you've really wanted to see that you just haven't been able to get a hold of, or that took you ages to source? The other film I would like to see at the moment is Coherence, but this isn't available in Australia on iTunes until May. Regards, Rob Douglas Lunt. I called him Robert, I just made up a name there. Douglas Lunt, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, Doug, mate. Doug, mate. Um, yeah, uh, it's it can be a thing. Like we've talked about it more and more recently. I think in the digital age, where you go, I want to see that film. Where is oh, it? I just expect to see it right away now, mate. Yeah, I mean, I I remember for years and years and years, I wanted to track down uh, Mike Lee's film Naked because everyone said it was the best one he did. Oh, and, it's a good film, and that it one, wasn't mate. available anywhere. Anyway, uh, they, in, I don't think they ever did a DVD release of it. Did you go to the video store, mate? This was in the period when DVDs were on the rise, but video stores were on the decline. Oh, so shit, So all mate. the video stores were closing down left, right and centre, and so all we had was Blockbuster, which they've only got 500 copies of the same four films, you know? They don't have a good range. 
And when you go in a blockbuster and you say, can I watch naked? They think you're some kind of pervert. And they say, yes, you can go to the naked room around the back. I'll bring you M&M's. Yeah. Um, I eventually won. Oh, my hand's all sticky. <laughs> oh, no. From the M&M's, yeah. boy. <laughs> Made it melt in your mouth, not in your hand, my ass. Um, they, uh, uh, I... I eventually won the video of Naked off Robin Ince in a raffle at one of his gigs. Oh, and I still have not seen it. Uh, have you not seen it? No, because it was on VHS and now I don't have a VCR. But I've now since recorded it on my Sky Plus box. So it's on there waiting for me to watch you now. So I have finally tracked it down, but it's been a long old road. It is a very good film. And Thingy Thulis, what's his name? David Thulis. That's, you see him in a lot of stuff now and you think, oh, mm. how did you get famous? That is how he got it's that famous. film, isn't it? He's, yeah, he's yeah. A, a phenomenon in that film. I, I confuse him sometimes with David Wenham. I think they look quite similar. I don't know. I don't know who that is. I, my biggest problem with when I, I my, my favourite films I've banged on about before, Flight of Dragons, the animation. Yes. That wasn't anywhere until it recently got released a couple of years ago on DVD. Mm. I watched it and I think you enjoyed it too. I did enjoy it very much so, yeah. Um, uh, I like the explanation that uh, dragons were basically hot air balloons and so they were releasing uh, fire in order to, uh, you know, do their buoyancy. Yeah, it's a that's very, a fun idea. It's a very good film. Very it's a good co- idea. Um, here's another that you want to read it because I think I've talked too much. Okay, yeah, sure. It's in the voice of Stephen Fry. Oh, God, that's not an impression I can do. It's How just, do you do Stephen it's Fry? just pretend you've been on TV for every single programme and every single advert. Even though, you know, normal actors could get paid for them, but you're going to do them. You're going to carry on doing adverts and getting paid work, even though you're a multi-millionaire and you're... And, you know, just take a break, Fry. Um, I can do it as melt shit, probably. That's probably as close as I can get. Um, Oh, God. How do you do... I I have no idea what Steve... I'm too hungover for this. (laughs) Just do posh. Uh, Just do posh, gay posh. Dear David and Marek, I wanted to write in after your last episode because it was very, very entertaining. They are all entertaining, but your last podcast included your thoughts on the best film from each decade. It was a very concise overview of 50 years of great movies. I would have also have mentioned Midnight Run 1988 because of De Niro showing how he can do comedy drama and is yet another fun film from the 80s. Hearing your comments on films from the past is, for me, one of the great highlights of your conversations. And this has often led to me... But it's turning into Captain, Captain Picard. And this has often led to me to, to various films that I've usually been inclined to overlook. Gross Point Blank and Blue Ruin are two examples of great thrilling films I watched on your recommendation. But I have previously uh, bypassed... I always look forward to hearing further thoughts and recommendations from you both on other categories of films and always hope this will become a semi-regular feature. (laughs) To give an example, I watch a fair amount of documentaries. What would your views be on the five best slash most informative documentaries of the last two decades? For me, my list would be these. The House I Live In, Eugene Jarecki, an extremely hard-hitting look at the war on drugs without being naive. Food, Inc., the first real look at how our food is produced, a bit dated now, but still good. Senna, a brilliant biopic even for guys like me who absolutely categorically hate Formula One. The Culture High, the second drug documentary from Adam Scorgi, and focusing on the prohibition of weed. Very watchable despite a US bias. The Act of Killing, real dictators reliving the past. Unforgettable, as Marek has previously commented upon. 
That's it. I love how you talk about films in an everyday manner, unlike other film podcasts. Keep it up, please. And keep watching the films. Much love, Tim Walker. That was very good, David. Thanks. It wasn't Stephen Fry. Um, like whoever it was. It was, it was as to... close to uh, uh, Patrick Stewart as I can get. I want to meet him, whoever that was. Um, he picked out two of my recent favourite ones. Senna. Active Killing and Senna. Same for me. I think they are incredible. Absolutely incredible films. Um, yeah, I, I, could, I don't think I've seen enough documentaries to really pick, you know, the best. But I... Um, which ones have stood out for me? You know, one one that stayed with me, actually, and always sort of pops back into my head every now and again, is Marwyn Cole. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, we enjoyed that one, didn't we? It was quite, it was, it was quite a surprise. Yeah, real surprise. It was, um, it, it was a, do you want to explain what it was, sir? Marwyn Cole, well, it's, it's one of these stories that sort of keeps expanding and expanding as you watch it, and there's more to it than you first thought, but it's about a man who has some kind of emotional problem, you would imagine, but um, who is recreating uh, or, or creating a fictional village called Marwyn Coll, uh, set during the Second World War in his back garden using action man figures. Mm. But he tells stories and uh, with them which he uh, photographs with a Polaroid camera and tells this, this, this ongoing narrative that he's got going. They, manage to cap- they capture his the essence of him perfectly. Because it's, it's really about a man. Mm. It's, but it's, no, it's a fascinating film. I've got a few I can yeah. bang through. Go on then. Um, so I, it's it's not a documentary, but it's shot in document, documentary style. Battle of Algiers, very fascinating. Okay. Uh, the most uh, I active killing center, a brilliant. Um, I really liked the. It's not really informative. It's more of a drama. Uh, the Insider was it called? With the. Uh, with a guy who pretends to be... Is it the, it's not called The Insider. The Imposter. The Imposter. The Imposter, I thought, was a great... You can watch it once. It's a real thrilling documentary. One of the most disturbing ones, Capturing the Freedmans, yeah. which is a documentary based on the footage of a family going through... A, a we talked about it fairly place. recently, didn't we? Yeah. yeah uh, it is staggering. So I recommend that one. My favourite, I think I talked about recently as well, my favourite ever films... Documentary about two American filmmakers, American movie. Yeah, we talked about it that. It is uh, hilarious. I'm it's just great. It's great. Scrolling. You know, one that actually that I don't think it would be in my top five uh, because it was too polemic. But it's done. It seems to have done incredibly good work. Is Blackfish? I think that's a really good one. It is really good. I it's a bit too right, polemic yeah. for me to truly enjoy it. I feel like the other side of it hasn't been stated enough for it to be a truly great work, but. The impact it's had upon people thinking SeaWorld should be closed down has been yeah. absolutely huge. Yeah. The Square, which came out last year, a documentary about the square in the middle of um, Egypt, <laughs> in Cairo, is a great idea. Different people, people different political ideologies working together and yeah, against each other. Yeah, that was great. Really fascinating. Really good. I really enjoyed, what was it called? Indie Game, the movie, was it called? That's really good, yeah. Fantastic. And that's the story of the guy, the story of the people who were making their own... Um... Super Meat Boy, and then what was the other one called? I f- oh, God, I forget, I forget. Um, it's a long time ago now. Anvil. 
Anvil, the story of Anvil. Oh, made me cry that. That is a really uplifting documentary. If you ever feel like you, if you ever feel like giving up, like you've, <laughs> you've, you you try constantly and you just can never get anywhere, and your whole life is just just falling through your hands. Watch Anvil. Watch Anvil, the story of Anvil. And there's another and one. See just how old you can get without achieving anything yeah. and still believing in the dream. One really nice one is a French film. It's called To Be and to Have, Etre et Avoir. Oh, I haven't heard of that. It's a documentary and it's about this teacher um, of this school in Fran- in rural France. And he's, just a, he's a wonderful man. He teaches his kids. And you follow these... It's set in a primary school with a brilliant teacher. And... In another really uplifting, brilliant documentary, Etre et Avoir, to be and to have, I can't recommend that enough. I'm just scrolling through all my uh, uh, things that I've voted uh, on, on IMDb. Is this where your new list is, since you didn't bring in your uh, paper list? uh, Since I forgot my book, which ruined my end of year thing. I mean, there's quite a few there, isn't there? That you yeah, might, yeah. I mean, Trevor, I'm not sorry, talking about it, uh, but you should watch that. Sorry, Tim, we haven't structured it in quite the uh, formalised way you suggested. But the overnighters was good. That we I we talked about um, before a couple of weeks ago. That's quite an interesting one. Mm. Uh, just scrolling down now. I mean, if they're not in my top fifty or sixty, they're not worth. They're not worth watching, really. Just, mm. just filler. Mm. Well, just, you don't we get go. this on podcast, you go, people you making. You don't get this on the other podcast. People making sounds mm. to cover the mm. fact they're scrolling through. A lot of people would look through it before they actually start talking. Yeah, yeah, but that's how real this is. We keep it real, it and is, by real we mean dull. It is happening <laughs> right now before our eyes. Okay, let's go on to talk about. Um, we'll talk about the next film, yeah. and then we will leave you. Um, well, this week I went to see a film called Spring. Doesn't that sound nice? I knew nothing about it uh, except that it was described as a romance horror. Good time for that to be released, though, isn't it? Is Seasonal it? wise. In the is this the season when most romances are horrific? No, spring. Oh yes, I see what you mean. So they're trying to cash in on so the, you uh, think, oh, yeah. the lucrative spring market because it, it, there's a bit in um, Focus we talked about. Where they do they try and get people. To, to do things by suggestion, the power of suggestion by yeah. putting they Darren Brown them. Darren Brown them. So they thought, well, a lot of people will be talking about spring, spring watch, spring's coming. So you're being Darren Browned, yeah, without them having to do any of the work. And that's probably why this film has been such a huge commercial success. Well, but what is it about then? Okay, oi, what are you barking at? That was Buddy the that's dog. Buddy the dog. Hello. Um, now. The problem with describing this film, and they've probably found this in their marketing as well, is that to tell you what it's about is to spoil the film. (laughs) It's okay. I'll give you a bit of background. It's about a character called Evan, who is an American. He's played by a guy called Lou Taylor Pucci, who I recognised from something. I think he's in Girls. Sounds like a prick. He's good. Anyway, but he plays a guy who's in the opening scene. His mother dies. And he, oh, I feel sorry for yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's going through a bad time, uh, 
Um, and he ends up then getting drunk with his best mate and getting into a fight in a bar and everything's going to shit and he and the guy from the bar then ends up driving past his house when he's back there having a drink with his friend and oh, says I now know where you live no. and it's all getting messy and he's just in a pit and wants to get out so he ends up just sleep, grabbing sleep, his sleep passport no he gets, grabs his passport and gets a trip, he asks the uh, the woman at the end of the phone. He calls up the airport and goes, "I want to go somewhere, anywhere." And she says, "Well, white people like Italy, <laughs> so he goes to Italy." And it's just about him trying, you know. And he goes to Italy in this little village and everything, and he gets a job on a farm in order to make he ends meet. He moves there, yeah. And and he ends up meeting this girl and gets involved with this girl, and. Uh, but she is not all that she first appears. Got a penis. <laughs> oh, you've spoiled it. Um, no, she does not have one penis. Two penises. <laughs> uh, but it. It's bad enough you've got your girlfriend's got a penis when you've one of them got two penises. I mean, they've got more penis than you. That's does that, always. Does that bad. Um, cost more to operate on? A, of course two, it does. Well, it wouldn't be. You have to the, pay twice. You wouldn't be double the price. That's how they do it with laser eye surgery, isn't it? So I've got you two, pay per eye. I've got two penises. And I want to get them both removed. You pay per penis. Surely someone would go. It would cost what? the same as you and your brother going in together. No, but you, if you're, you've done half the work anyway. <laughs> what, what do you mean half the work? Sharpening the knife. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, this is the horror film, then. It, it, well, it is, and it, it's got supernatural elements. I'll tell, I'll say that. But they are a surprise when they first appear, and it is a very well written thing. But um, it could, because uh, it's a sort of young romance. It could, at uh, all times, sort of tumble into being, you know, just oh, shut up, you haven't lived yet, stuff. So no one's but, got a penis in it. Well, uh, yeah, Evan does. It's heavily implied. You don't see it. Okay, fine. It's really heavily implied. You want to make sure the people watching don't... Yeah, yeah. ...to think they're seeing the wrong film. But the girl in question uh, is played by uh, Nadia Hilker, and she's absolutely fantastic in it. Okay. Like, she sells the whole thing. What's she been in before? Um, I don't know. I didn't recognise her. I think she's German, actually, but she's playing um, an Italian... Yeah, she's from Bavaria. She's been in uh, German films. This appears to be... Uh, her first, yeah, her first English movie. Uh, but she's absolutely excellent. And uh, it's it's a surprising thing. I mean, the only thing I think that comes, you know, close to the genre of it is probably American Werewolf in London, you know, in oh, really? terms of the tone and the, the sort of... That sounds great. The romance is at the heart of it, but it is also sort of funny and weird and also... But it feels like an indie... indie movie, rom- not even romantic comedy, just a romance film, but then it's got this weird monstery stuff in it. It sounds um, great. How many Davids to give an idea? You know, I think I'd give it eight. I did really enjoy wow. it. Wow. I did really enjoy it. I do not know why it's called Spring. It's the most boring title. I mean, we basically double-billed boring titled film this this week. Like, spring Focus. Spring Focus. I wouldn't go that see either of those. That is something with, um, what's his name? Spring Focus. Uh, what? Chris Packerman. Okay, I was going to say John Craven, but yeah. They'll both be in it. That era. Um, they sound more like production company names, I think. Yeah. Well, well, if you're listening and you want to chip in with what they sound like, how can you write in? What? 
If you'd like to write in and have your letter read out, then please email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Or you can talk to one another on Facebook, forward slash filmfandango, or tweet us at filmfandango, at Mr. David Reed, or at Marek Larwood. Uh, and also we do all of this for free, so if you'd like to... Uh, throw us a bone here uh, for our continued broadcast of this podcast, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there. Worth by it, isn't it? I think that's all for this week. Uh, short, sharp and sweet. I'm sorry I couldn't say more about spring. I would recommend it for you know people who like a romance or a horror thing, but I don't want to spoiler it. So there's not much more I can tell you What's about it, other than doing, I enjoyed it. What's the point in doing bloody film podcasts? Well, we, we should talk about crap films, we don't mind spoilering. Yeah. Yeah? Alright. Alright, we'll, we'll be back next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.